I greet each of you in the precious name of Jesus. Good to be with you all this morning. Thank you, Brent, for those songs and Dale for that devotional. That devotional ties into some of what I want to share this morning. I did prepare another PowerPoint this morning. I feel like visuals help for me, and I hope that they help for you as well and and making something maybe stick in your memory a little bit longer. The message title this morning is Retaining a Single Vision. And this message was birthed from some of my own experiences, what I'm going through currently. I feel very busy in my life and different things that I have going on. And it's easy for me to become distracted and lose sight sometimes of what really matters. And my desire is to keep a or retain a single vision. And just to look a little bit at that title. So the word retain, the definition I want to use for that is to hold on to or to keep in possession. And then the word vision is a purpose in life. That's the definition that I want to use this morning. Vision can mean or have several meanings. Vision, what we see, that's our vision. Sometimes we think of vision as prophecy, is what Dale talked about this morning in Isaiah 40. Uh, John the Baptist being a voice in the wilderness. But the vision that I want to look largely at this morning is, another word I guess could be used for it is focus or purpose. Purpose in life. And I'm speaking to this morning to Christians, and most of you here this morning are have experienced salvation and are walking with God. And when that happens, God gives us purpose. He gives us meaning in life. We have vision. And maybe you could look at a lot of different things when we speak of vision, but one that came to my mind in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, we're clearly commanded to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, with all of our strength. That's both old and new. And yet every time I read those verses, it's such a challenge to me. Do I really love the Lord God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? So that is a vision. That is a focus or a goal that we should always have in front of us as we go throughout the out life. That is what is really important. You might know what it's like to have double vision at times. If you're seeing double, it's not good. You can't focus. And it is the same way for us spiritually. Jesus very clearly taught us that we can't be serving two masters. I'd like to just look at a few verses from Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, the eye is, this is in the English Standard Version, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Or how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. 
you cannot serve God and money. I don't know if you find these verses a challenge for your own life, but I find them challenging at many times. Many times I have to ask myself, who am I really serving in my life? Am I serving God or am I serving money? Who am I worshiping with my life? The tricky thing about this as well is money is essential to life. You're not going to get very far in life without having any finances. But the balance, I believe, is the challenge where, you know, money is a tool that we use, but it's not something we are to serve or to worship. Money is not evil itself. The Bible says the love of money is what is evil and where we can fall. So, the question, how can we retain a single vision? And my goal with you this morning, and again, for my own life, to start with my own life, something I'm dealing with, is to retain a single vision so that we can do the will of our Heavenly Father. And I believe that's a desire and a goal for each one of us, for those of us who are born again. We want to retain a single vision so that we can do the will of our Heavenly Father. And if we have double vision, we will not be able to do our Heavenly Father's will, do what He has for us. So I want to look at three points this morning in answering the question, how can we retain a single vision? And the first one is I want to look at distractions, or the first one, avoid distractions. And then secondly, I want to look at Focusing on your vision, being focused as we go through life. And then thirdly, to develop a personal mission statement. And I don't know if you have already done this in your own life where you've actually written something down, what you want to get done with your life. And I want to look at some practical application And I've heard this said, this should be done, and it's something I haven't really made practical until preparing for this message. I didn't feel I can preach this message without actually making this practical in my own life first. So, first point, avoid distractions. If we're going to maintain or retain a single focus, we need to avoid distractions. You can turn with me in your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 17. I'd like to look at a few verses there. And where this message, I guess, originally started was, I believe it was April 1st, in the Beside the Still Waters devotional, I often read those devotionals, and I was just struck by what I read that morning. It was talking about being focused on our vision And the context here in in Deuteronomy 17, God is giving instructions to the Israelites when they would choose a king, what the king should do. And I was recently, I'm reading through 1st and 2nd Samuel, and in 1st Samuel, God gave very clear instructions that he, he, it was not his desire for the Israelites to long for a king. He wanted to be their king. But the Israelites were demanding a king. They wanted a king, and then finally or God told Samuel, yes, you can choose a king, make sure it's a godly man, and 
God allowed the Israelites to have a king. And then God also, in prior to this, gave some specific instructions on choosing a king for the Israelites and what the king was not to do. So I'm going to start reading at verse 14 in Deuteronomy 17 and read to the end of the chapter, read to verse 20. And as I'm reading these verses, I want you to notice specifically what the king was not to multiply to himself. And then I would like to hear from you what those, there's three things in there that the king was not to multiply. So verse 14, when thou art come unto the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee and shalt possess it and shalt dwell therein and shalt say, I will set a king over me like as all the the nations that are about me. Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among thy brethren shalt thou set a king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. Verse 16. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord hath said unto you, you shall henceforth return no more that way. Verse 17, neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply himself silver and gold. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which he is before the priests, the Levites. And it shall be with with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes, and to do them, that his heart not be lifted up above his brethren, and that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel." So again, I'm going to open it up. What were the things that the king was not to multiply to himself? Someone shout them, or maybe three different people, shout them out. Horses. Yes, that was the first one. Silver and gold. That was, I believe, the third one. Wives. Thank you all. So, three things the king was not to multiply to himself. Horses, wives, and silver and gold. Because these could distract him and take him away from what his focus was to be. And verse 18 through 20, it talked about God's heart for the king. That he would know the law, that he would have it in his heart that he would learn to fear the Lord or he was to write it down and he was to fear the Lord, his God, and to keep all the words of this law and to do them. And God knew that if he's multiplying horses and wives and silver and gold, that these things could take away from his vision that he was to carry or his mission. And the interesting thing to me was looking at a similar passage in the New Testament that talk about Three things as well. And you can turn with me in your Bibles to 1st John chapter 2. 
First John chapter two, I want to look at verses 15 through 17. And in here, there's three things as well that we are not to be pursuing after because I believe they will distract us or take us away from the vision that we are to carry. So reading at verse, starting at verse 15 in 1 John chapter 2, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes the way and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And I want to put these three things up there as well and look a little bit from the Old Testament and contrast that with the New Testament. So the first one in 1 John chapter 2, what I, what John said is the lust of the flesh. And I don't know what all comes to your mind when you think of the lust of the flesh, but I just put it, put down one word to that, that it could be is materialism. So if you look at horses, the king was not to multiply horses because that can distract. And so I believe it is with us. If we are just pursuing the lust of the flesh, this, the, that word lust can mean more of a evil desire. But I believe materialism as well, if that's what our heart is set on and to be gaining financially in this world and pursuing only material things, that will distract us. And cause us to go astray from the will of our Heavenly Father. And then secondly, the lust of the eyes. I put down immorality. There's a lot of things in this world that we can look to that are going to draw us away from the will of the Father. A lot of things, whether it's things we see on... In our everyday lives, things that we see on our phone, there's a lot of temptations out there. And then the pride of life. I just put down wealth and power. I don't know about you, but when I look at these three things, they, these things can be a battle in my own life. Materialism, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. These are things that unbelievers are largely pursuing after, seeking what they can get out of this life. But for God's people, these are distractions, and we are not to be... If we're going to be retaining a single focus or a single vision, we're going to have to recognize these distractions and avoid them in order to maintain or retain a single focus. So, real quickly, in First John chapter 2... Verse 17 says, The world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now, the will of God can be, or for each one of our lives, can be maybe very broad, and sometimes we struggle with knowing exactly what the will of God is. And I'll get maybe a little bit more specific in some of the personalization of that towards the end of the message. Secondly, I'm going to look a little bit at focusing on our vision or focus on your vision. 
And there's a verse in Proverbs 29:18 that says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Probably a verse you're familiar with. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And this might mainly be speaking of a prophetic vision, but I think this can apply to the vision that I am looking at this morning. If we have nothing in life that we're living for, nothing of value that we're living for, like Dale talked about in his devotional, it's, it's going to die like the grass. It's going to fade away and it's not going to last. It's not going to have any value. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. And I would like to think about that as he who is pursuing God or he or she who is pursuing God, happy is he. And I think we all know this morning that when we are pursuing our Heavenly Father's will, when we are involved in his kingdom work, there's satisfaction that comes with that. There's fulfillment that comes with that. And I believe that's what this verse is talking about. If we want to be happy or fulfilled in life, it comes with having vision and keeping his word, abiding in his word. So we need to focus on what he wants for us. Just recently, we got a newsletter update from Christian Light Education. Were they maybe put in all the church mailboxes? May have read through that. But I found that interesting because I had just read that as my mind was thinking about vision and, you know, having purpose. And well, I think I moved a little faster than I wanted to. So... Back to the CLE newsletter, I found it interesting. They had a little paragraph in there about their beginnings. And it said, in 1969, they began as a small operation in a small building with little finances on hand. But the vision was large and faith was strong that with God, all things are possible. So CLE, or Christian Light, started very small, as pretty much most businesses at least start very small. But someone has a vision. They have a goal in mind where they want to go with it. And a lot of businesses will write a mission statement or even a vision statement, what they want to accomplish. So looking at focusing on our vision, what CLE did, or this was, I just took a picture out of their newsletter. So with that vision that they had, here's where they are, or this was from 2020. So in 2020, 1,142 schools benefited or were served through Christian Light. 17,133 homeschools served. 1.9 million tracks were shipped. And 1.7 million curriculums or curriculum items sold. And 69,421 orders filled. And you look at that and it's like, wow, that's amazing. But it started small and it started with someone carrying vision. And I believe it's that way with each one of our lives individually as well. If we are going to do something noteworthy for God, we need to be visionary. And I personally don't feel like I'm very maybe gifted in that area. It's something I want to do better in. 
And I thought about the beginnings of Shenandoah Mennonite Church and the church planned up here. It only happened because some men were visionary. There was a goal to plant an Anabaptist church in a community where there were no Anabaptist churches. And that was now over 10 years ago. And here we are today because someone or some people carried vision and they acted on that vision. They took action. And another thing I'd like to share a little bit was a message or a topic rather that I listened to from Merle Burkholder. He shared this at Reach in 2013 and he was given the topic of a vision for life and he was speaking largely to young people. And Merle Burkholder, I believe, Sharon, is that your uncle? Is that correct? Your mom's cousin. Okay. I was thinking there was some relation there. And I've listened to this topic some years ago, and I this week I went back and re-listened to it, and I would really encourage each one of you to listen to it. Just really thinking about your life and what you want to do with your life. Jewel Barker and I, I put this quote on here, and I was a little hesitant to do it because I don't know that he was a Christian man. I think he was very uh, a business-minded man. But I think this his quote can apply to us as Christians as well. He says, Vision without action is merely a dream. Action without vision just passes the time. And vision with action can change your world. So I'll read that one more time. Vision without action is merely a dream. Action without vision just passes the time, and vision with action can change the world. Something to think about a little bit. You know, we can have we can be visionary, have a lot of ideas, but if we don't carry them out or do anything about it, it doesn't do a whole lot of good or any good. And we can have a lot of actions, but no don't really have any plan or no vision to go but the best is vision with action that's what can really bring change and a lot of us it can be maybe easy to want to do something great we have that desire within us but it starts by being faithful and i believe it was merle that talked about greatness comes as a byproduct of faithfulness we are just to be faithful in the little things. In his topic, and I'm going to go through quite a, or a fair amount of what he, what Merle shared in his topic. And he said, there's questions that most of us ask at some point in our life. Why am I here? Why was I born? What does God want from my life? And I believe each one of us would recognize and acknowledge that God does have a plan for our life. God didn't bring us into the world by accident. God brought us into this world at a specific time. He put us into the family that he wanted us to be born into. And there's a reason that we're here. There's a reason that we were born in this time frame and not a thousand years ago or five thousand years ago. We're here for a reason and God has a plan for our life. And we might wrestle with the question, what does God want from my life? What exactly does he want me to do? 
And it was interesting, Merle mentioned that often we ask people, what are you going to do with your life? Or where are you going to go? Where are you gonna, if, if someone's looking to serve somewhere, where are you going to serve? So we often ask what you're going to do and where you're going to go. But he said, more importantly, we need to be asking how and why. And the what, when we are really asking the why and the how, the what and the where aren't as important. When we're just committed to pursuing God, he will uh, bring something into our lives or maybe show us where we want to want to or where he wants us to go. We could look at many people throughout the Bible who God used for very specific purposes. We could look at Esther, how she stood in the gap or she spared a lot of her people for the action that she took. We could look at Moses and how he led the Israelites and there's, you could go on with, with many different characters, but we have their life recorded in the Bible where we can read them now. And our life, your life, is still being lived out. The end hasn't come yet. And I believe God has specific things that he wants us to do, but we need to be asking, you know, how are we going to do God's will? And why are we going to do it? What is, or, and seeing the importance in it. So the third point, develop a personal personal mission statement. This is where I would like to look at some practical application. In that topic, Merle said that we should be writing a person <clears throat> personal mission statement. And he said find some quiet time where you can Write this down. It's one thing to actually think about it, and another thing to write it down. At least that's how I find it for myself. I can, you know, have some ideas, but when I actually write it down, it makes me think a little bit harder. So the first one: How do I want others to describe me? Secondly, what is the most significant contribution I can make in this world? Recognize my spiritual gifts. What are my strengths and how can I best serve others? It's easy to, or at least in my own life, to be around some people that I really admire or I appreciate about some things in their life. And I, I want to incorporate that in my life. And to recognize what, what might I be able to do in, this, in, in my life you know, we all have different giftings, and it's beautiful to see many different gifts in the church body. And we are, we're not all called to do the exact same thing, but we can bless others by using the gifts that God has given us. Some of us do very well in serving others. Some of us do well in teaching. Some of us do well in, you know, just lending a helping hand. Some of us just small deeds of kindness here and there. What, is, what do you do well with? And it's, I think it is it's healthy to recognize them and try to use your gift to bless others. <clears throat> Thirdly, what character traits do I see in others that I want to develop in my life? 
And this, these are not in the exact way that Merle presented them. I kind of condensed them to a certain extent. But what character traits do I want <clears throat> in my life? And sometimes we, I think, can best have an idea when we can observe them or what we observe in others and try to incorporate them into our life. <clears throat> Fourthly, what areas in my life do I want to grow in the next three to five years? What are areas that I want to change in my life? What are areas that I want to add, things that I want to add in my life? I also thought it was interesting he shared how we often overestimate what we can do in five days, but we underestimate what we can do in five years. So sometimes we have maybe a lot of goals that we want to accomplish in a week's time, and it's hard to get them accomplished. But if you look at it in five years, what do I want to accomplish in five years? That's when he said we often underestimate. I'm not sure if that was original with him, but over three to five years, it's much easier to... Or maybe for an example, so if there's a certain area that you want to grow in, maybe after one week, you're not really satisfied with your results. But you might look might look back over three to five years and ask my or ask myself, did I really grow in this area? And sometimes it's easier then, oh yeah, th- I definitely made some improvement or definitely made some changes there. <clears throat> and then the fifth one, what are the most important things in my life? See, a lot of these things really get you thinking, and when you write them down, or to write them down, it really makes you think. What's really important to me? If you're married, is it your spouse and your family? Or are hobbies the most important things in my life? And then the sixth one, how might God want to use my life? What does God want to do with your life? What does God want to do with my life? All things that we should wrestle with. And I would really encourage you to write something down. So where I'm at right now, I was what I, I wrote answers to a lot of these questions down. But then Merle suggested what you do with these answers. You put them into just a couple sentences and use that as your mission statement for life. And he said a lot of these are not necessarily measurable things that you will fulfill or accomplish in a certain amount of years, but something that you will continue to strive for. He said, goals are what are more measurable, where you want to make something more specific, but these here don't necessarily, or your mission statement doesn't necessarily need to be specific to the degree where you can just accomplish it and then you're, you're done, but it's more of an ongoing, something you want to continue working on. So, how can we retain a single vision? Just going over these again. Number one, avoid distractions. Recognize where your distractions are and avoid them. Secondly, focus on your vision. And then thirdly, develop a personal mission statement. And why do we do this? Again, it is to retain a single vision so that we can do the will of our Heavenly Father. 
So retaining a single vision, when I reach the end of my life, will I be able to say that I have done what my Heavenly Father wanted me to do? Something to really think about. When we get to the end of our life, are we living our life in such a way that we'll be able to say that we've done what our Heavenly Father wanted us to do? You know, Jesus, when he was nearing the end of his life before they... Before they crucified him, he surrendered to God and he, he, did, he recognized that he came and he fulfilled the will of his father. And Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. May that be something that each one of us have a goal or set to do that we're going, to, we're going to fight a good fight. We're going to finish the course that God has us on. And we are going to keep the faith. And go, again, going back to Dale's devotional, talking about our life. Each one of us are one day going to come to the end of life. Each one of us are going to meet God and only what's done for Christ as Dale said, is what's going to matter. And it's easy to get distracted. Again, I'm speaking in my own life. It's easy to set my heart on material things. And I think some of the reason it's such a challenge is we do need the tangible things in this life. We do need material things in this life. But where is our vision Is it a single focus or are we living our life with double vision, not being able to see clearly? And that's a challenge that that I'm wrestling with in my life. It's the challenge that I want to leave you with as well, to live with a single vision. And Merle also shared a story, and I know I've shared some of this story with you before, but there was a man that... He was friends with in Canada. He was a very wealthy man, but they had a good relationship. And he went to his friend's house for a meal one time and was admiring all the things that his friend had. His fancy car, his mansion, his sailboat on the lake. And Merle's just getting really discouraged while he's there thinking, I have nothing. He's feeling like he lived his life for nothing i mean he knew he didn't but yet he was getting that or he was getting discouraged and that evening they were looking at they wanted to see so merle and his wife had lived in haiti i believe for a year and they were looking at photos with this couple of how the people or the things they did in haiti and this man turned to his wife these this was an older couple they were both in their upper years and this man turned to his wife and said you know what we, we really missed it all in life. He's like, we, we didn't do anything for anybody. Every time we traveled, it was for what we could enjoy. He's like, we didn't do anything for serving others. And it was then that I believe the, the light bulb came in for, for Merle. And he recognized that, you know, even though he didn't have any much to show for materially, he really lived life to the fullest. And... If you're going to live a fulfilled life, if I'm going to live a fulfilled life, it's not about leaving 
a lot of material things behind, but it's about laying up our treasures in heaven and living with a single vision, a single focus. So again, I'm going to ask you the question, what are you living for? Is it, do you have a single vision or is it double? What are you really pursuing? And God's heart is for you to do his will, to lay up your treasures in heaven. And that's my challenge for my life. And I want to leave that with you this morning as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know each one of our hearts. You know whether we are living with a single vision or a double vision. And sometimes it's hard for me to maintain or retain a single vision. And I pray that you would help us to not be distracted, that we would focus on living with a single vision so that one day when we meet you face to face, we will not live this life in vain and that we can you know, just pray that each one of us would have a desire to lay up heavenly treasures where it really counts, where it really matters and help us to recognize where our spiritual gifts are so that we can bless others and that we can together build your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.